One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What a performance last night against the French. We're heartbroken, aren't we? We should have got at least a draw out of the game. We're going to talk about it for the next while. In a moment, I'll be joined by Philip Quinn, who works with the Irish Daily Mail. He's a soccer man through and through. But first, briefly with us on the line, John Aldridge, former Irish international. Hello, John. Hello. Hi, Good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Did you see the match last night? I did, yeah. I did. I watched it, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was an improvement to the performance. Absolutely. Glad to give everything. Uh, I'm very unlucky. Very unfortunate. Yeah, the chance at the end, the header. That was a world-class save, wasn't it, by the keeper? Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a really good header, you know. And unfortunately, them days, you know, sometimes it doesn't go your way. You know, I thought they'd go... Possibly, our goalie had a really good game, but you know, it went in the middle of the goal. I thought maybe, but I'm being, might be being a bit harsh on him there because he had a really good game. But you look at the stats, and, and I'm not one for stats, but it showed we were well in the game from the first minute, you know, the last. Uh, and, and, and that against a, a top side as friends are with Mbappe and co. You know, hopefully we'll go well for the future. we got a few good young lads coming through. You know, Ferguson, I think we'll, we'll, that will do him the world for good. You know, his mm. first major game, you know, I thought the lad did, did pretty well and he'll get better. Yeah, and uh, he's really showing tremendous signs. But anyway, let's hope it is a, a platform for the future. We go to Greece next mm-hmm. and then have Gibraltar at home. It'll be a bit different, John, in Greece and 40 degrees. <laughs> I've been there on a few occasions. <laughs> yes, it is. But it is what it is. You, you know, you've just got to conquer it. And it's, it's not easy. You know, when you're watching people on the, on the television, you know, trying to vine in, in these heats, and they're, and they're used to it, to be honest. But, yeah. look, you know, you've got to take them on and try and get to the side with the result. Mm, that's it, as simple as that. Now, you are actually coming to the northeast shortly because there's a big, big game coming up in Oriel Park in Dundalk on April the 15th, and it's Liverpool Legends against Dundalk Legends. I'm looking at the lineup already Aldridge, Kennedy, Wright, Houghton, McMahon, Pennant, Gale, Dudek, my, oh my, and more to be confirmed, John. Well, we're open, so, yeah, we're open, so people have got a, a lot of things in the diaries, but. We played quite a few of these games over, over the years in Ireland, and and the depreciation we get uh, is, is is beyond belief, to be honest. You know, uh, and they're all they're all great. Well, a spectacle is going. It's not as quick as it is now. All three, all you know, around about sixty years of age or some a little bit younger. But we tried to put on a good show and we put on a good event afterwards, which you know money for, for local charities as well. Yeah, Railton Namara Autism Centre and the Maria Goretti Children's Respite Centre are the beneficiaries and tickets are available yeah. on eventbrite.com Liverpool Legends against Dundalk Legends. So you can still throw a shape or two? <laughs> I don't know about that. 
I might be able to take a penalty or two, but uh, <laughs> uh, my, my, my head knows what to do, but unfortunately my legs don't now. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll still go out and, you know, show respect to the crowd. Hopefully people will turn up, you know, on, on the day, um, as we always tend to get good. Look, Liverpool supporters in Ireland are phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely huge, massive. And they never fail to, to surprise you with the way they back, back up charities and the way they come and see us. And the respect we get is immense. So mm. I thank every one of them, you know, uh, that turn up and, uh, and give us support. Absolutely. Well worth supporting. Just before you go, because I know you're you're about to hit a ball off the first tee where you are today. You lucky duck, Mr. Aldridge. Uh, just tell me this. Uh, Liverpool ain't going to win the league. I am an Arsenal fan since I was a nipper. Can yeah. the Gunners win it, John? Hey, from my point of view, I certainly hope so. It would be nice. Um, you know, the, the honest uh, team and honest club, and they've done, they've done it the right way with a really good manager turned out to be. They've had a great season mm. and they're very exciting to watch. And, uh, you know, if Liverpool, well, we're not going to win it, but, but I really hope Arsenal do, to be quite honest. So good luck to them. But you're going to get beat at Anfield in a couple of weeks. <laughs> John, don't say that. Come on, <laughs> come on. If you want us to win it, you can turn a blind eye. No such thing. It yeah, never happens. You know, <laughs> we'll try and beat Manchester City the weekend for Arsenal. But that, the way we're playing the moment's away from home, that's a big ask. But you yeah. Know. Yeah, but come on, do us a favour the weekend. Good on you. Go on, away you go to the first tee there. We'll see you in Oriel Park on the 15th of April. Yeah, all the best. Take care, John. Bye-bye. Philip Quinn, good afternoon. Hiya, Jerry. Great to hear one of the legends of Irish football there, John Aldridge. A lovely fella and what service he gave to Ireland over the years. Top, top, top player. Didn't he, Philip? And you covered all those games. You know, he's he's very good because he's under pressure today. He's away under pressure. He's away to play golf. What am I talking about? Pressure. Good. Isn't he just so lucky to be going playing? But he was, wasn't he? Just something else in that era with Jack. Uh, he was. And like he was asked to do a role that was unfamiliar to him at club level. At, you know, at, at Oxford, he was an out-and-out goal scorer. You know, he was the fox-in-the-box type thing. You know, he was, mm. to me, he was the Jimmy Greaves of his time. His goals record is phenomenal at club level. But Jack asked him to run into the channels, to chase down full-backs. You know, he didn't score for 18, 19 games and never complained. He was taken off generally after 70 minutes. The old cliche, his legs were down to stumps. <laughs> but he, you know, he, he gave all that Jack asked of him. And eventually the goals came and he scored the goals that got us to the World Cup. Um, in, in 94 when he was coming towards the end of his career and I always remember that important goal he got in 94 that actually got us through to the last 16 and he would have kept playing Mick, Mick took over as manager at Mick McCarthy and he had to say John we're moving on without you and John was like 34, 35 still plenty to play and you can sense from your interview there Jerry that he just loves still playing he, mm. he's 64 years of age and he just loves crossing the white line and he knows where the, where the, where the ball the goal is and uh, that's never lost him but a lovely fella as well away from the, the football yes. you know just, just to talk to have a pint or a cup of tea great company John Aldridge one of the best yeah and I had the pleasure over the years of working with him on a couple of occasions at a Q&A and you're mm. so right he is such a down to earth guy and such an honest man as well well we want your honesty on last night you were there as I said you've covered Irish teams mm. from way back to now where did that performance come from? Because we were all praying yesterday we wouldn't be thrashed. Yeah, there, was a, there was a sense of that, all right. Uh, some people felt, yeah, praying maybe. Yeah, that's one word. Um, the way I would see it, Jerry, and I, I wrote this in the mail yesterday, um, I had a feeling that there was a good performance in Ireland for a number of reasons. And I looked at it through, the, through not rose-tinted glasses, but through pragmatic glasses. Um, we had two extra days to prepare. We were at home. French played Friday night. They had to travel. Um, 
they're, they're little things. I also kind of sensed that two things that, that if there was any hint of complacency, France may have felt we've beaten Holland the second season four 0 We're going to play little old Ireland. Uh, you know, we've done the hard bit over the weekend. And if they were to run into a sort of French and Irish resistance, which they did, they might start round one another and get a little frustrated. And we saw that last night. Um, I'll say this about Stephen Kenny, and I have been critical of his uh, of his tactical approach on occasion because uh, I do believe it's all about results. But I thought last night he got it right. Um, he sort of cut his cloth a little bit. He played effectively five across the back with Coleman and Darty as almost auxiliary fullbacks, and the five were were terrific. And Mbappe was closed down at all times. And while we were one 0 down, and I kind of thought France at that stage, you know, through fifty, sixty, seventy minutes, deserved to be on top for the balance of play. Um, and Bazuna was the bigger keeper. What I didn't see coming, Jerry, and this is what really astonished me, was the final ten minutes, the final five minutes. Mm. That was that was uplifting. That was a something that came from from deep within. I didn't know that team had it within them. And you're right, we did deserve a draw based on you know the the the, the couple of chances that came late, and particularly the Collins header which Magnan saved. I mean that was almost uh, Schmeichel or Schilton or Banks at their very very best. A draw would have been deserved. It didn't happen though, and. That's cruel, but football and sport, you know, as a loud man, you don't always get what you deserve. No, and that is so true, true, uh, Philip. Uh, the, the thing is, the save, I was thinking the same as you as I watched it. I was thinking of Gordon Banks, you know, the great English keepers, etc. There have been how he clawed that ball out. And funny, you and I were talking this morning, an interesting point you made. Um, Bazunu is a little smaller in stature than the French keeper. If the height were different, well, it's only conjecture in either goal, mm. we could have won the bloody game. Uh, yeah, it is. It's just a, it's yeah, a, yeah, it's it an is. observation. But yes. I think Bruno Bozuno is probably six foot, maybe six foot one. And you know, you know, Shay Given always felt he was six one, but it's always like keepers always have to be six foot plus. But but Magnan is certainly six four, mm. and you know, if 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 Bazuna was six four, he might have got his hand to the yes. hard shot and another way around. Look, but that's that's only one of those quirky <laughs> things. It, it it didn't happen. Like you know, it's my. Uh, you know, it, it didn't happen, but it was an extraordinary save, and his hand was almost behind the line as he pawed it away. And um, you know, at that time, I thought Deschamps was kind of panicking on the line a little bit. He was mm-hmm. thrown on substitutions, and he was just trying to break the play up. He was, he could sense there was something happening. There was a green tide. Um, <clears throat> to me, that was the best performance under Kenny. It was up to now. I always had the the standard bearer was was Farrow away, where we were undone by Ronaldo later on, but we were excellent in that night. And maybe we didn't kick on possibly as we'd hoped from then. And I'm making the p- p- point in the mail tomorrow, Jerry, that hopefully last night can be the you know the start of of what we've been wanting for from Kenny and his players for a long time. We've seen flashes of it. We haven't seen consistent performances like that. Um, but there is an observation, Jerry, and you've been around the game a long time. We've always raised our game against the big teams, and every now and then it's the smaller teams that mm. give us a bloody nose or cause us problems. So, look, we move on to Greece, and that's huge. Um, you know, mentioned 40 degrees and all that. Kenny mentioned that last night. I, I'm not buying that. Uh, I don't want to hear that excuse. They're going away to Turkey for a week. They're going to be training in the morning, training in the, after, in the afternoon. They're going to be well used to the heat. They're playing in Athens at 9.45 in local time. You know, it, it could be a cool evening. You know, I don't want to hear any excuses. I mean, if we play like we played last night and we bring that to Athens, we're a little bit more adventurous because <clears throat> we will probably need to be. Maybe no, we don't have to be, maybe, but we just maybe even finish the way we finished last night uh, and we get a goal, we win 1-0, 
that's that's what it's all about. And it is about June now, Jerry. You know, yeah. it's about getting points on the board. Look at the Group B table. We have a bit of catching up to do. We have. Uh, just as a footnote, uh, our Louise, who you were talking to, my producer, Louise Walsh, she has a suggestion for Stephen Kenny. And she knows our sport, our Louise. She said she goes to hot yoga. And that's at over 40 degrees. So Stephen should bring the squad to her hot <laughs> yoga session for a week or two before they go to Turkey to get them right for Greece. How about that, Philip? Well, you know, um, if it works, Jerry, I mean, if Louise, Louise could be seconded onto the coaching staff with that suggestion, you know. Uh, why not? And uh, try anything once. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll be up for that. <laughs> uh, I remember I was I was once in Turkey once and I had a hot turkey massage and it was all <laughs> stones and rocks and things. And uh, I came out of it and I felt like I was about two stone lighter and I was broken. Um, but I run around on a pitch that night. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't tried hot yoga now. Neither have I, Philip. Um, and I have we'll to see, mention we'll see, we'll, we'll yeah, see what happens I have to mention Laura Mad is the teacher she'll kill me if I didn't give her a mention Louise goes Indeed. to those classes so Laura may be the woman that Stephen Kenny needs but look that's just an aside I thought last night I know Ogbena got man of the match Coleman uh, you know doubtful for the game magnificent Malumbi for me was outstanding yeah, I'd have agreed with you on those two calls. I thought Ogbeni did well. He was an outball. He won a couple of free kicks and they were important to us. You know, they got us up the pitch and we managed to get balls into the box. Although he won two frees and weighed on the right, wide on the right. And we'd no left with a player to kick the ball in, which I, I, love, the, I love the old inswinger. But yeah, I thought Malumbi covered some amount of ground. He, he ran back at one stage in the first half with 60 yards and made a tackle and celebrated in front of the stand. They got everybody going. And he's a player that I, I didn't particularly rate that well, that highly initially because I didn't know much about him, and I watched him. He tended to be running around a little bit, giving lots of frees away, getting yellow cards. But I think at West Brom, I think Carlos Corberon has come in there, and yeah. there's more discipline to his game. Um, now, towards the end, he had a couple of tackles, and he got a yellow. But he's not doing that in the first 70 minutes, which he was doing before. He's a more mature player, he's a more disciplined player. He also offers a little bit more going forward. But his ability to get back and get block tackles in, you know, it's uh, a Joe Gel Martin back in the day, in the father days, he's brilliant. <laughs> and... Um, the one thing I say about Coleman, 34 years of age, you know, uh, an extraordinary performance because he was detailed to keep an eye on Mbappe, who's probably the world's best player. Mm. And Coleman didn't shirk. And you can see why Sean Dyche is leaning on Seamus to get him out of trouble at Everton. Loads of Everton fans listen to your programme. Loads of Everton fans in Ireland. He did it last year under Lampard and he could do it again under Dyche. And Kenny needs him. And, mm. you know, I do mention every now and then that Stephen did drop Seamus Coleman for his first matches in man- as manager. I didn't agree with it. I think Coleman is crucial and I think Kenny is is aware of that and he's not just as crucial on the pitch but also off the pitch. He sets all the standards and we're going to need him. We're going to need him in Greece and hopefully he'll be there because he has missed a lot of matches for Ireland since Kenny came in. Mm. He's a great bit of stuff. He really is. You know, oh, yeah. you mentioned you wrote about it and I was reading, you know, you took a different angle on this. You felt we had more of a chance than maybe many others who were commenting on the game. You know, for me last night as I sat down and I'll tell you this, the hair stood on the back of my neck when Lisa Lamb sang Aron Naveen and I thought that set the scene for the night yeah well you see you and I might disagree on that Jerry uh, <laughs> I, I love hearing the old I like the old man I love the old Garda band out there because, <laughs> and I tell you why because I, 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 was, I was listening to the fans in the South Terrace and Lisa Lamb sang beautifully and, uh, but the, the, the guys in the South Terrace you know um, uh, Jim J, uh, Jim what's his name the old home farm Jim Finity who rings yes. the house. but they 
they do it all on fee in a slightly quicker tempo. So they were finished ahead of ahead of Lisa Lamb. I, I just kind of like everyone in there together, all the same the same vocal sound from the whole ground rather than one person just yes. above the rest. Well, that's just my preference. Well, Jerry, you're a man, you're a man of more probably you're more more educated, uh, talent, more more refined talents <laughs> music wise than me. Uh, so I, I, I'll bow to you on that one, but uh, I'm not. Uh, but see what she she sang well. But ah, she did. I, I, li- I like the old. Okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm here, yeah, and we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> and it's a fifty-fifty. And you are the man who's been living this all your lifetime, <laughs> Philip Quinn. You're a star. I appreciate you joining me. Read this man in the Irish Daily Mail. He's brilliant. Thanks. Talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jerry. All the best. Take care of yourself. Philip Quinn there on Ireland last night. Look to the skies tonight. Look west this evening, shortly after sunset. Hopefully the skies will be clear because just beneath the rising moon, you will see Jupiter, Mars, Mercury, Uranus and Venus all in a line with the moon. Don't miss it tonight. It's the planetary parade. It happens every so many zillion years or whatever. Tonight's the night. Look to the skies. Look west. Look for the moon. And you'll see them with the naked eye, I promise you. I'm looking forward to myself. I hope there's a little cloud in the skies. Yes, listeners agreeing with me. The song last night, the national anthem, Lisa Lamb. Absolutely spellbinding, says a listener. Another says the hair stood on the back of my neck, just like yourself, Jerry. It really did. I loved her. With that in mind, let's have a song going into top of the hour, two o'clock. News and weather on the way. And it's an appropriate song. It's the cause because you see, Lisa Lamb left me breathless. Go on, go on, leave me breathless. At the GAA Ard Corla meeting over the weekend, a decision was taken to prohibit the promotion of charities or specific campaigns on GAA playing gear and it's caused quite a furore since I'm joined by a good friend of late lunch when you mention Avian's pink tie, Jimmy Norman comes to mind and he's on the line. Hello Jimmy. Hey, how are you? How are you, keeping? Not so bad. And yourself? No, I know you, you've been beneficiaries of uh, this through the GAA, and most welcome it's been. W- what's your opinion of, on the decision taken? I um, I seen it the other morning. A friend of mine tagged me in a post uh, from the Irish Examiner uh, saying that the the uh, the board had decided to take the. Uh, you know, not not put their uh, charities logos on their on their uh, on their playing jerseys anymore. And uh, they actually they actually jersey they actually pull up, and um, not the Irish Examiner, but the the post that was pulled up. And um, they actually had the Avian's pink toy jersey. Avian's uh, Avian's uh, charity. We were very lucky to be picked uh, five years ago um, by uh, by AIG. AIG were our sponsors, and it was actually AIG who suggested that. Uh, we put the uh, Avian's Pink Toy logo on the short. Uh, and as a lifelong um, GA fan there, like for me, <laughs> it was it was mind-blowing, not just in raising awareness for the charity and uh, and, 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 and really giving us a great uh, uh, platform to, sh- you know, to show what we do. But it was, it was very proud for me as a Dublin fan. And, and um, we got so many requests for the jersey, we, we 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 couldn't we couldn't get them made. AIG had got them made, but probably Hill Sixteen would have turned into flipping Avian's pink toy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fantastic! But it, basically, this was a huge shot in the arm for you guys. Yeah, it was, and and again, like I, I I don't question the GAA on it because it's obviously it's their decision, and and I don't know the background boy. Um, 
why they've met, the way they've come to this decision. I think it had something to do with they might have been getting so many requests or, or, or something like this. But as us, as, as Avian's Pink Toy, um, it, like I don't ever remember, and I'm sure you yourself don't ever remember, I never remember any of the major clubs ever having um, uh, a, a charity logo on their T-shirt. And the Avian's logo was so stunning against the blue of mm. the, the Dublin jersey, uh, you know, being so so brightly pink. And so the same Brogan and Cluxton were on it. It was absolutely, and the photographs we had for the day and the feedback we got, um, and it reminded me, I, I, I was thinking about it, I, I always admired Barcelona, the great, uh, the great soccer team, for always uh, having UNICEF on their jersey, yes. and they never took any any funding or anything over that. And I actually thought it was a sad day when um, when Barcelona took that, went away from that decision. Um, you know, it's 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 a, it's a strange one. Yeah, I have it on my notes here. I've just wrote it down. Barcelona and UNICEF, and you've mentioned it already. Incredible. And, you know, I, I, I don't know the logic behind it. Maybe it is that they're inundated and uh, it, it's sort of uh, the Wild West out there with this type of thing. But I do, in credit to the GA, and I always give them credit, you know, they've uh, contributed 1.5 million to over 50 charities since 2008. And their partners this year, when you read the list, Women's Aid, Alone, uh, Young Lives versus Cancer, Movember, Trocra. They are aware of their responsibilities, Jimmy. We have to say that big time. Absolutely, 100%. And, and, and you know, as I said, it's not, it's not me. I'm not, I'm not here to diss the, the GIA in any form. It's, uh, we just found it. I found it disappointing because I think, I actually thought that it was the, like the, all of the teams, it was an amazing, they actually, it was across the whole of all of the Dublin teams that day, the Camogie, the, the ladies football, the, the senior men's, the, uh, the hurling, it was on every jersey. And another lovely sideline uh, side to it was that um, a, lot of the, a lot of the guys that had the jerseys, they signed all the jerseys and then them jerseys sold on in auctions for us and made an awful lot of money. And actually one or two of the players actually didn't put the jerseys forward. They actually kept them as as uh, as memorabilia because it, you know because it had never happened before, and now unluckily it might never happen again. Mm, and, and you know the other thing is that in a European context at the recent European Sponsorship Awards in London uh, an Irish campaign support for Dromo was highly commended for what it did and what it achieved as well so it is recognised more widely yeah it's, it's a peculiar one altogether I was scratching my head when I saw the news as well and wondering wh- wh- what is actually behind this you know and uh, it, it's hard to figure out isn't it it definitely is, and again, you know, it's, it's hard to, to come to a conclusion, both of us, because we don't know what yeah. the, the issues are. But, I, but like again, for Avian Pink Toy, it was a once-off thing. There was no way that the, you know, the Dublin team or like the Kerry team or, or you know, the, the, you know, Mead or Galway would wear the, a logo constantly. Um, I don't think so, any because the sponsorship is such a big deal now. But for the for the teams to wear it that day, and I always remember laughing as well because we played. I think we played Ross Common on the day. And I was really afraid we'd lose, it, lose the game, you know. And I said, oh, my God, based on that, that happened because we were only going to be on it once. Um, but, um, like, no, I thought it was a lovely initiative. And for all of Avian's supporters, um, you know, even everybody from all over the country actually thought it was a beautiful idea, you know, to, mm. to, to, to raise childhood cancer awareness. Because that's the biggest job we have. With. Trying to raise, raise awareness about childhood cancer is such a difficult thing. It's a, it's a, it's a subject that most people would don't want to broach. And I can perfectly understand that. But we we have to do our job, and uh, you know how much work we do all around Loud, all around the rest of the country. We yeah. need the support of the communities. 
You do, and uh, it is something that always has to be kept to the fore, and Avine is is doing that. How are you, just in a general sense, when you mention it, you you spread your wings far and wide, and beneficiaries, as you said, here in Louth and Meath, our catchment area, and all over the country. How's it been in the last while for you in terms of support? It's been fantastic. I'd just love to say, uh, I'd like to say hello to all of, uh, all of our friends in uh, Cooley and Whitetown, and all around the Carlingford Peninsula, um, I absolutely adore the area. Um, it was somewhere I found through a, a, a lovely friend of mine, Budgie Boyle, and um, I got to know the area really well. So it, 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 we, the, the support from that community alone over the over I say five years was over a hundred thousand. Wow! We actually have a lovely link with um, the house that we bought in Drimna because they, the, the the community of Carlingford and on the, the Cooley Peninsula. Actually, they actually they've done the garden. They the, the soil is from Cooley, the stones are from the beach, the sand, the flowers are indigenous to the area. So there's a little bit of Cooley in the back garden of a house in Trimna. And I hope all the little children that are playing out in that garden, they probably never know about that. But it wouldn't have happened without that wonderful community. Obviously, uh, COVID was difficult for us, but we actually got fantastic support from. Um, we got we got fantastic support all through COVID, and a lot of um, there was a lot of virtual. Uh, fundraising done and I'm, I'm I'm glad to say that Linda Mick myself the whole team we're all delighted we we kept up all our supports through uh, through COVID and we've when we've kept fundraising we've had we've had wonderful initiatives we've great support out there um, I mean blessing on Saturday this little girl getting her hair cut she'll donate her hair to Rapunzel which is a, uh, an organisation that uh, makes wigs for t- children with alopecia and children that have cancer. Mm. And then the money she raised on a day, she'll give to Avian's Pink Boy. Um, so thank God we've been able to keep all our initiatives going. I always say, very sadly, our house in Drimmon is never empty. But that's a double-edged sword that people wouldn't have anywhere to go. And it's a fantastic facility. And Mick is already, and myself are working on a forward plan to actually try and get an apartment near the new children's hospital so, we, so that we can have accommodate all of the families of, of, of St. John's Ward. Oh, you're fantastic people. And aren't people fantastic, Jimmy? You know, like the, the call on people in Ireland, and yet we come up trumps every time for all the charities. It's, it, it, you, you, I don't know. It's, it, 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 it never ceases to amaze me. Some of the things that yeah. have been done, there was even like in Ahabullock in Cork there a couple of years ago, there was a little child had cancer. And his family raised over 100,000. I think there's not probably, I don't know how small a bullock is. It took me ages to learn how to say it, by the way. And it's, uh, I, I, find it, I find the Irish people are incredible. The, the, the call to arms like, is, yeah. is, is fantastic. And, and we get no support, Chair. We get no support from the government. We completely rely on the community and the community spirit. So we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. So thank you, everybody. You see, it's that coolie soil in Dremna that enables you to pronounce a bullock. You know, it just it, it comes. <laughs> I tell you what, it was a real challenge. I can tell you. But, but, uh, but I, 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 another another uh, thing I learned from Avo. Yeah, sure thing, absolutely. And you know, um, back to the football for a moment. You couldn't lose on Sunday. Just come back to Croke allowed put up a good performance, but Dublin prevailed. What about Cluxton reappearing? I couldn't believe it. Could you? No. I think everybody was taken back by it, but. Um, I've met Stephen a few times. Stephen's a very cool cucumber. He's very uh, experienced. Like you can't, you can't doubt the experience of him. And I'm say, 
like just even like even having him on the sideline coming into the team, it, it, it inspires everybody else. Mm. And oh. Leo did put up a great performance. It was a great game. They did, and uh, the championship to look forward to now for sure for everybody. It could be a repeat in the Leinster final. Who knows? But anyway, Cluxton is back, and everybody <laughs> should be shaking in their boots because that man is just sensational. Anyway, Jimmy, look, we'll see where where this goes. Uh, we congratulate the GA. I mentioned those charities; they're all getting twenty thousand each this year, and they've done great work and will continue to do great work but a change on the Jersey front and we'll investigate that a little more and I'm sure they'll be talking about it too Avine's pink tie, if you can do anything, all help appreciated childhood cancer is a fact and it touches families all over the country uh, regularly and all the support is welcome, you're a great guy all your people, keep her lit Jimmy Thanks baby, and that was brilliant and thanks very much for again, for raising um, raising awareness for us, I really really appreciate you and everybody um, you're doing a great job. Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate those lovely words. Take care of yourself. The wonderful Jimmy Norman there, Avine, his lovely daughter. We remember every time we mention Avine's pink tie and all the good that it's done right throughout this country, including, as I say again, in our own counties here in the Northeast. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. It's time for our Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm supposed to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Two, two, one on Tuesday. Well, today's Two on Tuesday is timely, even though I say it myself, because you see, Mr. Elton John is on his way to Dublin's Three Arena tonight. And tomorrow night, yes, he is. And then he's in Belfast on the 31st. So he's in Ireland. It's his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. Now, as I was researching this, would you believe it? Elton John has only ever had one solo number two song. It's the only song that ever failed. Well, he has other songs that were uh, three, four, five, etc. Quite a number of number ones. But this is the only solo song that ever reached number two without making it to number one in the chart. And we're going back a few years here because it was released in April 1972. Took its time to get up to number two in the charts but eventually did in late May. Here it is, our two on Tuesday. Mr Elton John and Rocket Man. Elton John playing Dublin tonight and tomorrow Belfast the following night with Rocket Man. Our two on Tuesday. Peter's been on to say one of the best live concert ever was at the RDS in 1984 when Elton John played there. Thank you indeed for that. So before we pass judgment on the number two versus the number one, we better have a listen to the number one on the show because the number one... Uh, that kept Elton John off top spot, let me tell you, was a four-week number one back in 1972. It was from this band's fourth and final album. The lead singer was Mark Bolin. I have to admit, I love this one. The number one that kept Elton from top spot. 
It's T-Rex and Metal Guru. Mark Olin, T-Rex and Metal Guru. Number one that kept Elton from top spot. And indeed, Mark Boland, when he was asked about that song, what did it mean? What was the meaning of the song? He said it was a festival of life song. Uh, it was about God. He said he believed in a God but had no religion. And he said that Metal Guru, it's like someone special. It must be a Godhead, he said. I thought how it would be for God. He'd be alone without a telephone. Indeed, he says, I don't answer the phone anymore. I have codes where people ring me at certain times. And Mark Boland all too young, went to meet his God and his maker on the 16th of September 1977. He was killed in a car accident. Which one for you, Louise? Rocket Man, Metal Guru, which? Those Metal Gurus there, those lads you were talking about yesterday, no? Oh, they're the, <laughs> the two things in Drogheda. <laughs> well, somebody suggested they do a little metal fella's all right. Which one for you? Oh, um, I've never heard that song before, metal I have Guru. to say, but I'll go with Elton, John. You'd go with Elton, would yeah. you? The Rocket Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful song. The only thing I'll tell you that Trump got right in his presidency. What? When he nicknamed your man in North Korea Rocket Man. <laughs> It's the only thing I could give the man credit for. Anyway, you go with uh, Rocket Man and Metal Guru was a massive number one, was Louise. It? Oh, four weeks. What year was it again? 1972. We'll come back oh, a bit. You know what I mean? May, it's June, fine. 72. Yes, it was, but it was a huge one for Mark Bowen. But it's not transpiring today, really. You don't, you know, you'll hear Rocket Man, but you don't yes. really hear Metal you Guru. You don't. You don't. Only on late lunch. Only on, on two and Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Only place you'll hear Mark Boland. No, you won't. He was absolutely brilliant. He was. He died all too young. You know what I mean? Mm. A few years later, he was gone. But uh, they made their impact. Team Rex around that time, the early seventies. They were huge. They were big and too. I have to say, at that stage in the charts, very few songs were number one for a long period of time. It was very competitive. You know what I mean? To get four weeks mm. was. But a, a lot huge of like thing. it was buying albums and buying, singles at buying the time. The singles, not kind physically of, buying yeah. the. Rex records at the time that was the thing about it that's the way it worked but anyway Elton with Rocket Man he'll be performing it I'm sure he will in his farewell tour and by the way the culmination of his farewell tour is Glastonbury it's last mm. ever concert Glastonbury is the highlight for Did us Did you always say you wanted to go there? Oh I'd love to go Would you last camping like in the muck? Hey, you're talking to a man who was reared in the muck, who trudged through the fields. I know, but fields. you like your finer things in life. I do now, but I could yeah. go back to it. Who sleeps in the Father Ted caravan. That is true. That who's is out, true. Who's out yeah. in all weather. What do you mean? You're talking to a, a veteran of of trucking and trekking. Anyway, that's your Tuesday for this Tuesday. Coming up after the break, I'm delighted to say I'm back with her. The insomniac gardener, Rosie May. I've been out in the garden with a her beautiful garden and stay with me and join with me on a beautiful garden walk next about six weeks have gone by since i visited rosie may in her wonderful wonderful garden in the shadow of the historic hill of slain and i have to say i nearly cried coming in the gates where are my snowdrops no snowdrops well they're still here look see all the greenery because yes. that's a uh, gardening tip number whatever 545 um, don't cut back the foliage let the foliage die back naturally which is hard because see it does look a little bit scrappy mm. 
but some of the other foliage is actually from bluebells and then even the daffodils, their little tete-a-tetes, which are almost going over already. But um, there is one little snowdrop just over here. I'll just show it to you. It's actually a... I spotted it. Did you do this on purpose? Did, did you keep this for me? I did. I did. I did. I said he'll be here and he'll be moaning that there's no snowdrops. So this one is actually, uh, I'd never even heard of it. And when I saw it in the garden centre, I didn't think it was a snowdrop because the bulb is huge, but it's called polar bear. They say that the flowers will point up like that. Yes. Now it's not quite doing it yet, but at least it flowered for you. Yes. So that's a start. <laughs> ah, isn't that great? Now look, daffodils, let's walk this way because you still have lots of daffs in bloom here. And as you said, some of them are on the wane. I want to ask you this, Rosie. When I was growing up, perhaps yes. when you were too, daffodils in my book were later in the season, whereas now like we're late March and they're nearly on the turn. Why yeah. is that? Well, I think when I was growing up, all we had were the huge giant um, you know, two foot tall yellow daffodils. Um, whereas now, the variety, everything in gardening has literally just exploded. Um, you know, from every, all of the, the things we import, all the bulbs and the availability online, you can order directly from Holland, you know, you can get them in garden centres. And there are thousands, literally thousands of varieties of daffodils. Um, and in fact, the latest one I plant here is called the pheasant's eye daffodil, Narcissus poeticus, which I think is a lovely name. That's actually not quite in bloom. I was encouraging it last week when I knew you were coming. Um, it's not quite out yet, but it's it's coming. And that will bloom all the way into May. So... So what you have is now a greater variety, more choice that start to bloom earlier in the year and extend the season longer. Absolutely. I do love the little miniature ones. You know, if you were into collecting daffodils, mine wouldn't probably, you know, count for much. But I love, there's a white one that's just coming out there that's called Thalia. And I love that. I think that's very elegant. And as we walk up the path, I'll show you another lovely, highly scented uh, one that has double blooms, maybe sometimes uh, triple blooms just on the one stem. It's called Bridal Crown. So we'll take a little Let's walk walk on. Now, as we walk, folks, you may hear in the background, we are competing today with some other creatures. And they're high up over our heads in the trees. And I remember you telling me last time we were here that they'd start building around the 1st of March and it would be a completely different scenario when I come back next time. Six weeks on, look up in the sky, look (laughs) at the nests everywhere and they're going balubas. Isn't it mental? We counted them, I think it was last year, and there were about 80 nests. And that's fine. It just means that I go around with a huge wheelbarrow maybe twice or three times on that lawn to pick up all the the sticks that they reject say but they're so fascinating they'll you know they'll fly into a tree in one direction and then one day I saw one and he was kind of wheeling around and he flew kind of in a different direction and then he kind of went down and landed on branches it was because of the shape of the stick he couldn't go in Mm -hmm. the same angle so he you know changed his flight plan if you like <laughs> they're marvellous they're the most intelligent yeah. creatures yeah. the crow family and I see them there there's some of them adding to the yeah. nest as we speak and yeah. some of them well advanced God you won't be short company here ever will you I won't and listen that comes with a warning now I'm glad you have your hat on just in case <laughs> indeed now what's this beautiful shrub here I'm looking at with a lovely white bloom that is a gorgeous magnolia stellata and in fact I'll show you another one up there uh, Leonard Messel but this one I planted about 15 years ago and I'm delighted I did it's just literally starting to open up and you can see it's covered in these lovely little kind of furry uh, buds mm. and they open into these gorgeous like white starry um, yes. flowers and it really is a beauty and the reason I like this, no, there's tons of magnolias again, but 
if you don't have acid soil, now mine is neutral to acid, but because of the huge trees, it's also very dry in this garden. So this one doesn't particularly like, it doesn't need acid soil, so it'll you can plant it in really most gardens, and as is the other one, you know, the Leonard Messel. But isn't it lovely? It is absolutely yeah. beautiful, so it is. Yeah. What's that purple splash of colour there? That is a gorgeous, uh, it's a biennial, so it means it puts on its leaves in the first year, so there's no flowers in the first year, and then the second year it blooms, and that's called Lunaria. And this one is Corfu Blue. Um, there's lots of different ones. I've got a gorgeous purple one over there. You can just see the purple leaf. A lovely little shrub here as well. That what? is Prunus Kojo no Mai. Isn't that a good old mouthful? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a fabulous little shrub because it's a, a miniature cherry tree. You know the way you see big, huge cherry yes. trees and you can't see the blooms. This grows to a maximum, I think, of about you know six to eight feet and it'll take 20 years. Oh, it's just so delicate and petite and gorgeous, Gorgeous. may I say. I'm actually getting a scent, I think. Am I, as I approach these daffodils, let me me lean down with you. Oh, they're just... Fabulous. What's that variety again? That is Bridal Crown. And you can see, look, each stem that I've picked. Look, so there's three blooms. Actually, there's only two on that, but look, there's three on, on each of those. Isn't that fabulous? Oh, aren't they just gorgeous? Aren't they? Aren't they gorgeous? And are these bulbs available just for listeners today to pick up or would you have to go to a specialist to get them? You'll get them. And in fact, you can buy them now in most garden centres. What they do, which I think is a lovely idea, they sell them in pots. Now, when you buy them in the pots, you'll see that the you can see the top of the bulb. So just make sure you don't plant them at that level. Do bury them much deeper. They're doing that, I suppose, to save on compost or something. They're just planting them on top of the soil. Buy them in pots or else order them in autumn. Yeah, yeah. Great, they're beautiful. Yeah. I'll be ordering myself next yeah. year. It, give me another sniff of them. Yeah, me... here you go. <laughs> oh, magical, 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 I have to say. They are just gorgeous. They really are. Is this bluebells I'm seeing here? No, no, no. no. They look like bluebells in the distance, don't they? They do. You see, I knew you were moaning that there were no snowdrops, but you see, there's different colours now. (laughs) (laughs) These are actually, they're muscari, and if you ever see photos from Holland, you know, the famous gardens of Kuchenhof, you'll see that they have this beautiful area. It's called the River of Blue, and they literally have planted a river of these in between shrubs. Now, they do seed around a bit if you don't deadhead them. So sometimes they can be curse in, say, a smaller garden. Now, I have the room, so I encourage them and allow them to do their thing. But aren't they lovely? Um, just They're for gorgeous. A bulb. Yeah, they look great in pots. And they, again, if you plant them in pots, then just plant them in the ground afterwards. And they're ahead of the bluebell, actually. These bloom earlier. They bloom much earlier, yeah. And there's different varieties. This is just the old commoner gardener. Some of them are kind of pale blue. There's pink ones. And there's a gorgeous one, Latifolium. It's over there somewhere. We'll see if we can find it. And it's kind of, it looks like it's got a little hat on it. You have a different colour. They're lovely. They're lovely. Let's walk on. Yes, we're wandering through Rosie May's beautiful garden. She's known as the Insomniac Gardener. Do check her out. And it's my second visit of the year as things move on. And isn't that the beauty of nature, the way things do move? They do. And uh, I think when you were here, the hellebores were out. And this is another kind of opportunity to see them and to show you that they are such a wonderful winter flowering plant. I mean, you were here about six weeks ago and they were they were in bloom. And look, they're still absolutely fabulous. Yeah. See, the snowdrops have all gone over, but at least, you know, the hellebores are still giving colour. And then this lovely white, frothy kind of plant, that's called 
Pachypragma macrophilia, which is another big mouthful, isn't it? But anyway, I managed to get that one out. That's a bit better than the muscari. But um, again, it's a very undervalued plant. I, I don't see it um, grown mm. that often. Mm. Look, it's lovely and it's only starting to come. So it's yes. lovely. And it does show you that you can have a splash of colour no matter what time of the year because it is still relatively early, you know, even though it's late March. How do you remember all those Latin names? Oh gosh, I don't. Um, <laughs> um, sometimes I, I have to rack my brains and I've kind of got a little Rolodex of, of um, and sometimes the cards are missing <laughs> of the names. But I uh, see there's the more of the Pachypragma. Oh, yeah. And do you see the yellow flower? You'll see this in the wild extensively, won't you? You certainly will in every ditch and every hedgerow in the country. And um, I love it in the ditches and the hedgerow. Uh, I just wish it would stay there, but... <laughs> We can't have everything. And over the years, I've learned to just live with it because you, it's impossible to get rid of it. It's extremely clever. It spreads by seed. If you even dig it up, there's little tiny bulbils. And if one little tiny piece le- uh, is left behind, it'll grow. And then all along the stem, more little bulbs grow underneath the stem and they drop. So I've just learned to just... And it's called? It's called lesser celandine. And the great thing is, it does disappear. Suddenly in June, it just melts away. So you kind of have to just take up the, the brown you know, leaves and stuff like that. But mostly it just, it just disappears. Come on, let's yeah. walk along as our friends above our heads. They get a little more agitated depending on where you are along yeah. this walk in the garden, don't they? They do, yeah. They're like, what are you doing in our territory? <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, they, we, we've learned to, to live with them. Um, you can just see the lovely colour there. I'll just point it out. See the acers are starting to, you know. Oh yes, there's leave. a, what would you say, a vibrant, orangey, reddy, yellow colour from them. Yeah, that's um, a Japanese maple and that one there is Katsura and this one is Baihu. But even if it didn't have leaves, look at the lovely colour on the stem mm. against the green. It's a yes. lovely, bright, vibrant yellow. Oh, yeah. And then we've got the camellia just about to come out, a lovely white camellia. Still hellebore is looking very good and then this lovely, this is pulmonaria, which is a fantastic ground cover. They actually call it a very unattractive name of Lungworth because, you know, years and years ago, they'd look at a plant and whatever it resembled in the body, they would say, oh, we'd use that as a tincture or as a cure. So the leaf resembles a lung. So it got the unattractive name of Lungworth or its pulmonary. It does. And again, yeah. there's a contrast in the little flower yeah. on it. It's a pink-purple combination in the flower, isn't it? Yeah. And you see that? It's supposed to like look a bit, a bit like a lung. It is. It <laughs> is. You can see all the little dots. I can use my imagination and I don't have to because I'll tell you, it does what it says on the tin. More blue. Uh, different blue here. This is uh, Scylla. It's, isn't that really vibrant colour? Tiny lovely. bulb. But mm. doesn't that pack a punch? Oh, it really oh, does for its size. It's lovely. It really is. I have a little treat here for you. Uh, is this the treat you've been telling me about? I have another one. But this All is, right. This is one oh of my word. I just love this. Look at these. Look at the colour. Look at the design on those. What are they? They're snake's head fritillaria. Also, I think they're called the chess plant or the chess flower because it looks a bit like a, you know, um, a chess board. They like wetlands and they grow in wetlands. They seed around, but they're, again, from a bulb. And when they go and the seed head kind of comes, you know, and grows much, much taller. But then this area is filled with hostas. So it just takes over then. And you can see the snowdrops have died back here. But aren't they a nice replacement? They are lovely. You are the queen of succession, I have to say. (laughs) One thing follows another. Look at the daffs all growing, let me say, here and there, everywhere out in this little meadow. Yes. So a couple of years ago, meadows became very fashionable. And you can see there's wildflowers planted on every round about and you know hedge line along the country so we decided we'd do a meadow and we 
looked it up, did it properly. You re impoverished the soil by removing all the grass with the digger. And then we put yellow rattle seeds down and we planted lots of other, you know, wildflowers. And as you can see, look, sure the grass came back just... <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious after all that work. So anyway, what we decided to do then was I'm not calling it a wildflower meadow. It's just an ornamental meadow. Mm. So what I've done is any of the bulbs that say, you know, sometimes you get them in pots or in fact, I'm always finding daffodils in, in pots on my parents' grave and stuff like that. So I just bring them home here and I put them in to the meadow and then they'll come up and you can see there's lots more of the muscari yes. and it's full of bluebells and then later there are perennials that actually can compete with grass Hyacinths look at them here yeah. oh aren't they beautiful they're gorgeous and lovely smell very very strong very powerful but um, I love them outdoors and if you even pick the tiniest bunch and bring it in um, the smell the smell will literally just fill the room but you know the way you always, we used to always get them at Christmas. Mm. My dad used to go to the market and he would come home with little pots and distribute them among the family. And I still get them as gifts. So when they're gone over, I just cut off the flower stalk and then plant the bulbs in the ground and they come back year after year. Mm. They're very reliable. My oh my, it's fabulous. Listen, thank you again for inviting me today. Late March, we're with Rosie May, the insomniac gardener. Check her out. We're at yeah. Muller Dillon House, but again, remind them where they can check you out and all you do. Uh, it's on Instagram, uh, the insomniac gardener uh, and Facebook of the same name. And then I have a blog when I want to hold forth a little more. <laughs> I'll see you in a while. You will, because you have to come back now for the tulips. Some tulip to see the lovely tulips. <laughs> Thank you so much again. You're very welcome. Thanks for all your comments to the show. Helen so enjoyed my visit to Rosie May's garden. Jerry, I could just feel the energy and the birds in the background. Lovely interview. Thanks indeed for those uh, lovely comments, Helen, this afternoon. People delighted as well with what they've uh, received from us on late lunch. Got my wildlife embrace. Lovely book. We're talking about it yesterday with Anya and uh, Claire Kane has it in Joy Claire Babzinardi got her window vac, one of the runner-up prizes from Senator Windows. Thrilled to have it as well. Uh, Jerry. I, I'm listening to your show. I love it every day. Could you find out why RT didn't show any of the Loud League games? It's not right. They showed the Mead game from Navin. Uh, what's happening, says Joan and RD. Well, I think they explained that away. They felt the venue wasn't suitable. You know yourself. I don't think you're going to get more of an answer than that. Louise, the gold find in Australia, the story you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. This guy, he remains anonymous. Uh, arrived, <laughs> <Wouldn't blame him. laughs> arrived into a man who buys gold. His name is Darren Kemp. He's a buyer for 43 years. He's in the business. Said he's never seen anything like it. This guy was out with a bog standard metal detector. You know, it's just mm. a bog standard. Nothing special about it. Found this and the rock. The rock is uh, size-wise 4.6 kgs. It has gold in the rock worth, that listen, €156,000. The gold in that rock specimen is. And when they actually, you know, take extract the gold from it, they reckon there's 83 ounces of gold in the 4.6 kg rock. That's about 2.6 kgs of gold. So there's 2 kgs rock, 2.6 kgs extracted is gold. Right, so it's pretty dense. It is when they get it out from the rock for sure. But imagine going along, you know what I mean, and <laughs> going across this. And when he, when the beep, guy, beep, beep, beep. when the guy came into the, the the guy who bought it into Darren Kemp, he said, "Do you think there's ten grand of gold in that?" Your man looked at it, weighed it, did the work, and said, 
There's a hundred thousand plus, he says, and that he nearly fell through the floor. But what a find. Isn't that a dream to, to find something like that? Oh, and it does great. now, like it's legitimate. It belongs to him. It doesn't belong to the state or no, it doesn't belong to no. private landowner. No, it was definitely an, his. Definitely his. It was okay. an area where prospecting happened many moons ago. But anyone can go in there at that, this stage and he happened to find it. Despite all the people who We've prospected there. there over the years. This still remained there. Isn't it absolutely fantastic? Health to enjoy and wear the gold that you found. Late lunch, <laughs> LMFM. Might hurt your back if you wear it all around your neck. Though. If you hung it around your neck is right. Anyway, heading towards top of the hour at three o'clock to news, weather and sport on your late lunch on LMFM radio with this one. It's the Jackson 5. I'd say your man is boogieing all the way to Sydney with his big rock of gold or the money he got for it for sure. Yes, it's Blaming on the Boogie on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's the number four from this week in 1991. And when I tell you that this song was number one in Austria, the Netherlands, Norway, Spain, Switzerland, Australia and Germany, where it spent eight weeks at number one. But in an ironic twist in the UK and on the UK charts, it only reached number four, no higher. Yes, it's from the album of the same name. I'm talking about Swedish pop duo Roxette. Yes, I am. And it's one of the biggest hits for sure, but never got beyond where it was this day in 1991. Here it is, our number four from the top five countdown this week. It's Joyride. Hello. Number four in our top five countdown this week, harking back to 1991 and rock set with Joyride. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Just to say that uh, if you enjoyed my walk in the wonderful gardens of Rosie Mays, the insomniac gardener, the full version of my visit to our garden in recent days will be podcast uh, later on today and available to hear in its entirety. Just reminding you, Drawn District Chamber are holding a coffee and chat networking morning this Thursday 8am South Key Fair a newly opened artisan deli in Drogheda all local business owners and managers are invited to join this free event non-members also welcome for more information contact Brenda at drogheda.chamber.ie or visit drogheda.chamber.ie Louise sad to say we're talking about this again the shooting at the school in Nashville in the States when will this ever end? When, when, when will it ever end? Horrendous, isn't so it? So many more young lives lost. Oh, and how many times has mm. it come up with ourselves? And we're talking from a, a distance away. But, you know, the American nation, the people, they send people to the mm. moon. They're mm. wonderful on the cutting edge of technology. They're the peacekeeper in the world. Some would say they're, uh, you know, also cause problems, which is uh, a fact too. Mm. But on balance, you know, they're the ones that's keeping uh, the free world free, uh, if you can say that. But... They have loads going for them and they can do anything and they're doers. They really are. But in the name of God, when will they ever deal with guns 
and the guns in society over there. Shocking, isn't it? And aren't we so lucky that we can, you know, our kids can go to school over there. They go to school and do a drill every week yeah. in case this happens. Case what to do happens. if a shooter walks into the school? And they have, uh, I think, a, a friend of ours from Navin who lives over there. They actually sell now school bags that are bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Imagine Isn't having it to think of those things. Look at that weapon. I just have a picture of it there that that lady used yesterday mm. going back into How that How does she school. even hold that? It's massive. This is a weapon of mass destruction. It's quite simple, America. It's quite simple. I'll address America today. It's quite simple. You've got to take the guns out of society. And this right to bear arms is nonsense. It goes back to ancient times. It's absolute nonsense. Because you see, Louise, somebody gets annoyed with a neighbour or has a fallout or an argument. It's too easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And people really lose the head. In the heat of it. Yeah, in you can throw a thump, a thump and, a, yeah. and a things. Like, but when you have a gun, you know, when you have a gun, guns at your when hands. And you calm down and realise yeah. the destruction you've and just caused. And then someone loses a job, they go back and eat revenge and mm. things like that. You must take the guns out of society, America. You must remove them. It's as simple as that. It's a no-brainer. You're intelligent, wonderful people. But it's dumb. It's totally dumb not to recognise the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction among the general population brings death and destruction. 129 mass shootings so far this year. And that means... Already? Yeah, more than four. A mass shooting is more than four people. And there's been loads below that in the States. It's horrendous. And Biden wants to do something about it. And left is pulling against right and right against left. Take the guns out of the equation, Will, for the love of God. And it's beyond time to cop yourselves on with that one. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Time to head for a break on the show. It's a serious matter. It really is. But when we come back, we have our Sinead Burke. Yes, Burke's banter coming your way next on Late Lunch. I was never great at maths in school. The shame of being asked to pick up my books and leave the honours class in second year is something that still lives in me 30 years on. I did, however, get really good at sums years later. When we were building our house, I began to see everything in terms of how many bricks this would buy and how many slates that was worth. One choice of kitchen would equal a less fancy kitchen plus the fridge and the cooker. To put it bluntly, Shit gets real when it directly affects your life. The numbers aren't just numbers, they have consequences. When I was on the council, you never knew what problem was going to come in the door, but you could be certain 95% of them would be housing related. In fact, we had a regular joke in the office that if the housing crisis was solved soon, we'd have to take up golf to fill our days instead of haggling with landlords, pleading with housing officers and banging our heads against official brick walls. Hedford Golf Club was spared the sight of myself and the late Joe Riley striding across the fairways in our plus fours because the numbers of distressed families just kept getting higher. When I finished up in politics in 2019, there was about 10,000 people officially homeless in Ireland. Today, as you listen to this, there are 12,000 But this figure only represents those living in hostels, temporary accommodation and family hubs. 12,000 is only the starting point of trying to get your head around the total number of people in Ireland who need a permanent home. There are also 60,000 families currently on the council housing lists. That's some jump from our initial 12,000. But wait, there's more. What's not included are families who are living in HAP properties. That's the new-ish version of what used to be rent allowance. 
private rented properties where the families pay a portion of the rent and the government tops it up. Generally, you get about five years in a HAP house. For the additional 60,000 families in these houses, it is unlikely to be their forever home. So back to the maths. We started with a homeless figure of 12,000. Then we remembered the 60,000 families who are on the council housing lists. And then we found another 60,000 who are hidden from the official numbers in their temporary HAP houses. We could channel our inner Pollyanna here and say with all fingers and toes crossed that the true number of families without a proper home in Ireland today is around 120,000. But I think even Pollyanna would secretly suspect it might be a little bit higher. One figure we can be certain of though is 1 billion euro. That's the amount of money the government currently pay to private landlords to hide half the problem from the official lists. 1 billion euro. All of these figures matter. All the young children rolling out sleeping bags on the floor of their granny's front room every night matter. Every mother trying to keep the show on the road and a smile on her face while she packs the family's bags again to move to another hotel room matters. The young lad quietly trying to do his college work in a public library because he will get no peace or privacy in his hostel matters. Ending the eviction ban has been an unpopular and worrying move. I really hope the ones in charge can make their numbers add up. Sinead Burke there with her thoughts. Always appreciate them and food for thought. Lots of food for thought there from Sinead and we thank her for the banter she brings us from time to time on your late lunch. That's almost it for today. Thank you so much for your company through the afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive here on LMFM Radio. And we are back midweek Wednesday with your late lunch from 1.30. Have a lovely Tuesday evening. Take care of yourselves and do come back tomorrow when we have a brand new lineup. Lots of subjects, topics, music and more besides just for you. And we do appreciate your company every single day. Anyway, we leave you today in the company of the wonderful Dermot Kennedy and something to somebody you're everything to us on Late Lunch we'll see you tomorrow afternoon at the usual time take care bye there's lessons in love sometimes hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.